Turn with me, please, to John 17. Now, some theologians called it the high priestly prayer because Jesus, being our great high priest, interceding for us with the Father. You see, in the Old Testament, the high priest would go to the Holy of Holies once a year, first to atone for his own sins, then he atones for the sins of God's people. But because Jesus was sinless, pure, holy, he did not have to confess his sin. He did not have to atone for his sin. He only atones for our sin, and that's what he did on the cross. Our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is interceding on our behalf right now in heaven. The epistle to the Hebrews tells us that, that Jesus continuously interceding for His children. Now, think about this. When you're in need of prayer, when you're going through a tough time, and then you get somebody call you and says, I'm praying for you, I mean, that really makes all the difference in the world. And this, whether it be a friend or it be a family member, it's wonderful. It's great encouragement. But I want you to think about this. <laughs> You're not just being prayed for and interceded on behalf by anybody, but this is by the Lord of glory. Your name is mentioned in high places. It can't get higher than that. Not only by an ordinary person, by the Lord Jesus Himself. And so Jesus' prayer in John 17 is an example of how He's interceding for us. I want you to look at that very, very carefully with me. Because what that prayer does, it exposes to us the thoughts of our Lord in His mind. It's an eye-opener as to the unique relationship that He has with the Father, as a unique relationship that He has with the believers. It is a joy-filled blessing to know that Jesus 2,000 years ago was praying for you by name because He said, I don't only pray for the disciples. He said, I pray for those who are going to believe. So He was praying for you back then. He's praying for you right now. It is a delight. It's a comfort to know that His future children, you and me, were in His thoughts, were in His prayer, have been, are, and will always be. And so I have three things that I want to share with you very quickly. In verses 1 to 5 of John 17, Jesus prays for His own glorification. Secondly, verses 6 to 19, He prays for the disciples' sanctification. And thirdly, verses 20 to 26, He prays for our unification. Jesus prays for His own glorification. And the first question you got to ask, is this an ego trip on the part of Jesus? No, not at all. Let me show you. You see, Jesus dwelt in splendor. He dwelt in glory before the creation of the world. Before all things, He is through whom God created the world and for whom God created the world. Before He came down to our broken and dark world, He dwelt in the splendor of heaven. And from the very beginning, He is the Creator. From the very beginning, He was the God of power and might. And He chose of His own volition to take off that robe of splendor, that robe of glory, and uh, come to offer His holy and righteous body as a sacrifice on the cross. Why? So that every imperfect sinner would come to Him and accept that sacrifice to be for them, be acceptable to the Father. And so when Jesus prayed for His own glorification, He was only 
praying that he's going to be back to where he came from, but he also knew that this is going to be by way of the cross, agonizing cross. Do you know what the word glory means? I know we often talk about glory and glorifying and glory. The very root word, the very meaning of that word, it means to reveal hidden secrets. That's really what it means. It means to shine an indescribable light, bright light, and illuminate everything in sight. It's like when the sun appears behind the clouds, and only then you find the shadow lifted and the bright rays of the sun melt away the gloom. And when Jesus went to that cross, all of the hidden riches of the radiance of the love of God, the truth about God, became visible to the world, became visible to His children. Have you ever asked yourself, why? Why is it that the enemies of Christ hate His name so much? Have you ever asked yourself, why? Is that name makes him angry and mad. Why? They work hard. They raise millions and millions and millions of dollars in order to blot that name, take people to court to block that name from being mentioned in public. They never get excited about blocking the name of Muhammad or the name of Buddha. No, 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 no. Now, they don't get excited about blotting any other name except the name of Jesus. Why do you think the name of Jesus can be used as a swear word in the movies, but they don't want it to be prayed to in public life. Ah, uh, because the glorified Jesus and His name have power over people, have power over cultures, have power over nature, have power over societies. It has authority over demons. It has authority over evil spirits. It has a transforming power, a transforming effect upon people and society. It has an eternal life in it, in that name. They hate that name because of the power in the name. And you, believers, remember the power that you have in that name. Something we don't think about very often. Now, here's what Jesus said about eternal life. Verse 3, if you ask Him what is eternal life, you don't have to ask Him. He tells you. (laughs) Eternal life is to personally know God. This is eternal life, Jesus said, that they know you, the only true God. You see, most people think that eternal life begins when they die. I'm talking about Christians now. They think eternal life will begin when they die. Absolutely not. Eternal life already begun when you knew God through Jesus Christ. That's the beginning of eternal life. Eternal life for the believer began when you received Jesus as your only Savior. Dying is only a change of address. (laughs) It's a change of clothes. You're changing residence. You're going from the tent to the mansion. (laughs) And you're going from the slums to the swanky. You're going from the perishable to the imperishable. You're going from the limited to the unlimited. You're going from the weak to the strong. You're checking out and you're checking in. (laughs) That's what it means for Jesus to pray for His glorification. It means that He was looking beyond the cross to the resurrection and ascension. He was looking beyond the cross from where He came from heaven to accomplish, was looking to returning back to His former glory. So He prayed for His glorification. Secondly, He prayed for the disciples 
sanctification. Verse 6, he said, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. What was Jesus doing with the disciples for three years? For three years, he poured himself into them. He poured himself into them. He did not try to keep them under his thumb. He did not try to control their lives and, or manipulate them. Uh, he did not try to frustrate them. No. <laughs> but even in their selfishness and their selfish ambitions and their ignorance, and when they wanted to be on the right side, on the left side, or when they wanted this and they wanted that, that did not deter him from developing them. That did not stop him from pouring himself into them. You see, pouring ourselves into others is following the Lord's model. It's his example. Receiving and giving mentorship is the model that Jesus gave us. And it's very clear in this prayer. Did you know that if you are a disciple of Jesus, and that's who I'm talking to today, you are a gift from the Father to the Son. Have you ever thought of yourself as a gift? Now, let me tell you something. <laughs> I know me, and that thought makes me shudder. It really does. You see, what you think, what I think, has nothing to do with it. It is a fact. It's mind-boggling, yes. We might not comprehend it, the side of heaven, yes. But for those who are constantly living in fear and living in anxiety, for those who are living in worry, those who are not sure are going to be saved tomorrow or not be saved, if they're saved today and not saved tomorrow, all of those kind of wonder whether they're temporary walking with Christ or not. Now, let me ask you this. Would the Father give the Son a gift that would not last for eternity? Would He? Would He give Him a temporary gift? No! When you comprehend how precious you are in His sight, you will embrace the future with hope and with confidence, with optimism, no matter what happens. When you comprehend how He watches over us, and even now He is interceding for us, you're going to kiss anxiety goodbye for good and forever. When you comprehend that He never forgets you or anything that's around you, you will have an inexplicable peace. Verse 10 says, He is glorified in us. He's glorified. See, we are revealing Him to the world. That's what glorifying Jesus is. As we reveal Him to those who don't know Him, we are glorifying Him. He's being glorified in us. He said, yeah, with all of our faults and failures, yep. With all of our fumbling and stumbling, yep. With all of our weakness and frailties, yes. With all of our doubts and our fears, yes. God wants to be glorified in you. He wants to be glorified in me. And I want you to listen carefully, please. That is why He made all of the resources of heaven available to us. Why? So that just we have a good old time? <laughs> no. So that we may reveal Him until we go home. So that no one can steal our salvation. So that no one can deprive us of fellowship with Him. So that no one can remove us from His hand. So that no one can interfere with our loving fellowship with Him. What a comfort to know that Jesus wants His own to be protected from the evil one. Look at verse 15. My prayer 
is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Beloved, listen to me. Jesus, our Maker, our Redeemer, He knew that we are vulnerable to the enemy's attack. We are vulnerable not only spiritually but physically to the enemy's attack. He knew that. Jesus knew that the world is going to hate us. And he said, well, Michael, the world doesn't really hate me. Well, I want you to go to one of those people in the world and say, Jesus is the only way to heaven, and without him you're going to hell. Now, you will experience hate, brother, like you've never experienced before. (laughs) Unless that person is being prepared for salvation. Then he's going to say, please tell me about it. (laughs) A minister once asked me a question. He said, what do I do with all these things in the Bible that I don't agree with? thought for a minute, and I said, you go on your knees and you say, Lord, what is wrong with me? What's wrong with me? D.L. Moody wrote on the front of his Bible the following words. He says, this book will keep me from sin, and sin will keep me from this book. And that is why God, in His wisdom, through all the oppositions of the years and the dark ages and all kinds of stuff, preserved His Word so we can have it today. Verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is the truth. Listen to me, please. Nothing will protect you from the world, the flesh and the devil, like the Word of God. Nothing. Does God intervene and protect you somehow? He does. But He says that the one thing that's going to protect you is His Word. And I'm not talking about saying, well, I go to a Bible study once a week. Well, do you eat once a week? Do you breathe once a week? That's the food. And I remember even in my days when I was in ministry, and I would not read the Bible regularly because I was busy serving God. And God had to rebuke me so severely How can you minister to others before ministering to me, before being fed by my Word? And from that moment on, I'm up early in the morning spending the first fruit of the day with Him and His Word. Because He said, Thy Word is truth. That's what's going to protect you. That's what's going to keep you from the enemy's attack. That's what's going to give you wisdom to understand how to put on the whole armor of God so that you might be victorious in all that you do. Now, the word sanctify is a big religious word that particularly young people say, well, sanctify, that's that's a big word. And I know it's a big word. It's a big word for me, too. But a lot of people actually have misunderstanding of what the word means. And and some people actually think it's a sort of a fumigating shower that when you get in it, you know, you'll become sinless and sanctified. No, 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 no. That is not what sanctification is. It means that you are set apart. You are set apart for His glory, for serving Him, for revealing Him for representing Him. Listen, this is a comb. That's my comb. That comb is sanctified for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's combing of my hair. It's set apart for that purpose. I cannot use it as a paintbrush. (laughs) I cannot use it for any other purpose. It is just sanctified, set aside for the combing of my hair. It is dedicated for that purpose. If I try to use it for some other purpose, it's going to mess things up completely. So who are the sanctified people? Listen to me. Those who have been set aside for the one purpose, and that is to glorify God in their life. 
to who are set aside to be an instrument in the hand of God to serve His purpose. Those who are to show, to reveal the character of God to the world. I know believers don't understand this, and that's why they get into all sorts of trouble. You see, when you fill your mind with all sorts of junk, when you live like those who don't know God, uh, when you live for self, when you depend on chemical substance to get by, or alcohol, when you're abused, the gift of sex outside of marriage, when you're constantly reading and thinking and, and viewing things that are ungodly, when you get into unscrupulous business deals, you are not being sanctified. You're using the comb as a paintbrush. It is not the purpose for which you are exist. It's not the purpose for which He called you. It's not the purpose for which He chose you. It's not the purpose for which He predestined you for glory. Amen. We are set aside. We are sanctified in Him because He sanctified Himself. That is, He set Himself aside for us. Can you imagine that? That He sanctified Himself for us. When you're set aside and you serve the purpose for which He created you, when you serve the purpose for which He redeemed you, when you serve the purpose for which you exist, you're using the comb for hair and not for something else. You intended for greater things, not for life of anxiety and fear and worry and, and just being like everybody else. You are dishonoring that incredible call, that royal blood that flows through you, praying for His own glorification. He was praying for the disciples' sanctification, and thirdly, He's praying for our unification. Now, the word unity is banded about, and I've experienced it firsthand in a liberal denominations. Apostate churches, false teachers, false preachers, they use the word unity, misuse it really, in order to manipulate people, to keep them from leaving when they should be running out of those churches. The unity that Jesus is talking about is unity with Him and with His Word. And when I have unity with Him and unity with His Word, I can have unity with you who have unity with Him and His Word. Recently, the Archbishop of Canterbury talking about, you know, trying to keep the faithful Anglicans in the fold. He keeps talking about unity, unity, unity. Don't believe the same thing, but he talks about unity. That is not the unity that Jesus prayed for. The unity that Jesus prayed for is not organizational unity, but organic. The unity that he's prayed for is not an institutional unity, but a unity of substance of the Christian faith. The unity that Jesus prayed for is a unity that my prayer partners and I have with one another for 20 years. We come from different traditions and different denominations and, and different church practice. But when we get together in prayer, uh, we are absolutely one in Christ and His Word. That's the unity He's talking about. Why? Because Jesus, not the institution, is the secret of unity. Because Jesus, not the organizations that we operate in, is the secret of our unity and the unity of our hearts. Because Jesus, and not the labels that we carry that unite us. 
You see, the glory of Jesus is the heartbeat of our unity, not the promotion of institutions. There's nothing wrong with institutions, but that is not the first and foremost. Beloved, that works in a home, that works in a church, that works among believers, that works everywhere. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me. I reveal to them what you already have revealed to me. Why? So that they may become one as you and I are one. Has that blown your mind yet? All sorts of unities. The real, lasting, and everlasting unity that really counts is what binds believers together. Is when our purpose in life, the primary purpose in life, there could be other purposes, but the primary purpose in life is the glory of Jesus. When we pulsate with one aim, and that's the glory of Jesus. When we live for one purpose, and that's the glory of Jesus. It works the same in the house. <laughs> I may have a, a variety of thoughts, and my wife may have varieties, but we are one because Jesus is the primary purpose of our lives. Trust me, it works in the home. Trust me, it works in a Christian business and works in, among believers. You see, when we love one another for reasons other than wanting to bring glory to Jesus, our love can go hot and cold. It really does. But if our love for each other is based on our desire to see the glory of Jesus, then our love stronger than life. See, divided homes, divided Christians, divided churches, all happen when they have a conflict of purpose. I promise you that if a family gets together and say, we're going to have our primary purpose in life as a family is to glorify Jesus, or the primary purpose in our marriage is to glorify Jesus, the primary purpose of our existence and all of our activities is going to be to glorify Jesus. I promise you, you will have an unbreakable family bond. Oh, but when selfish ambitions and personal preferences and personal opinions and pride of ideas, when these things are allowed to dominate, unity will dissipate. We can be at peace and we can have confidence. Why? Because Jesus is praying for us, and because we are committed to glorifying Him. Shall we pray together? You know, when the Lord moves on me to place a landmarker in my life and the life of others, it's for a purpose that I don't even understand. It's His purpose. And so I want to give you an opportunity to have a landmark today for those who say, Lord Jesus, I will live for your purpose and for your glory. Because God is honored when Jesus' prayer is answered. And Jesus' prayer is answered when you cooperate with him in this sanctifying process of saying, Lord, I got distracted by the devil I got distracted by the enemy of my soul. I got into all kinds of things that are not really glorifying to you. And I made those priorities in life, and I'm sorry. I know that my friendship, my relationships, my family, 
may be falling apart because we have not made your glory to be first and foremost. Lord, I allowed godly friendship to go by the wayside because I placed my own ambitions ahead of your glory. When you genuinely respond, you indeed fulfilling the prayer of Jesus. Lord, I'm the first one to confess to you that these things are too deep for me to even comprehend. But I thank you that the Holy Spirit tells me it is the truth. It's so impossible for me to think that we are a gift of the Father to the Son, but your Word said it, and it is true. It is impossible to believe that you wanted me to glorify you, and you want us to bring glory to your name and reveal you to the world, but that's what your Word said, and we believe it, and we stand on it. And Father, I pray you will keep us alert, that we would not get blindsided by the enemy, that we will let your Word be our food and our drink, that we will let your Word be our rock on which we stand. We let your word be the rock in which our families stand. That, Father, no matter what, who, where, what, we know who our rock is. And his name is Jesus. And in his name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.